0: Hello, and welcome back to Sorcery and Superstition, the podcast for short stories by lesser-known authors. As always, I am your host and narrator, M. Bradley Peters. Before I start discussing this week's story and author, I want to take a moment to remind you to go to Sorcery and Superstition's Facebook page and give us a like and a follow. This is the best place to learn more about our authors and to receive the links I provide. Also, if you like my narration, be sure to go to my website, mbradleypeters.com, and check out the full stories I have narrated. Alright, that's enough about me. This week's story is brought to us by author D.B. Rook. D.B. Rook has worked in the charity sector of North England for the last ten years. He is currently working on the second volume of the Wayward Chronicles. More on that in just a minute. And an anthology of short stories, one of which is today's story. Mr. Rook currently has a story out on Amazon, titled Callus and Crow. This is the first in the aforementioned Wayward Chronicles, and is in the same universe as today's story. Callison Crow is described as a genre hybrid of Western meets grimdark post-apocalyptic fantasy. What does that mean, exactly? Well, if you are unfamiliar with the term grimdark, I'll suppose here that you're all familiar with what a Western is. Grimdark is a genre in fantasy literature that is, as its name implies, extremely dark in tone. These stories will often revolve around themes of morality, questioning the nature of what is good, and what people have to do in order to live or survive. There is usually a lot of gore and death, and horrible scenarios people must endure. So, if you are not comfortable with scenes depicting captivity and torture, this story may not be for you. Even today's short story will touch on violent and graphic scenes. That being said, I think it's a great premise, and a good story. One that makes you think about questions we don't often consider much in our more civilized society today. Today's story is titled Blackened and it is a short story that is available for free when you sign up for Mr. Rook's newsletter. As always all of the links that I am mentioning will of course be in the Facebook post for the episode. I could tell you more about today's story but it's more fun just to hear it, right? One more time I would like to advise listeners that this tale is graphic in nature, and depicts mild imprisonment and torture. Now, without further ado, on to the story. Vorin. The shout sent splinters of pain into Killick's brain. Voren! Bring that one! Killick's good eye opened, and he immediately winced as the light bled in. His unseen handlers gripped the shoulder of his filthy tunic and a blood-matted clump of hair. They lifted him to his feet. I could walk, he almost choked on the dryness of his own throat. The movement coaxed the remaining spittle to awaken his taste buds. Iron and filth curled his tongue. He lifted a weakened arm to swat the tugging grip from his hair, to no avail. They walked him, like a child from the clearing, his weary legs stumbling over countless huddled bodies. Kellogg's mind swam, as it did often of late. As the pain overcame his inner voice, his mind would somehow float safely inside, untouchable. Only the realization would bring him round, the realization that, without the mind, his near-broken body would cease to live. As consciousness returned, Killick's hair was released, giving scant relief. A new pain would soon rise dominant. Methodically, they stretched his cold, malnourished frame out. A sickening crunch sounded as the foreign Servant straightened his legs to manacle them. "'What new device is this to pain me?' Killick spat. You will get no work from me when I am a corpse, he laughed. The notion amused him, and a madness urged a strangled cackle. Suddenly, a new taste assaulted his frayed senses, replacing the metallic tingle of blood with a sickening sweetness. A cold, dry hand sealed Killick's mouth, like raw meat. It was not pungent, yet the taste was wrong. For the first time, Killick gazed at the Boren, the hooded watchers he had seen all along their journey. Ragged and gray they were, with no hint of life in their empty eyes. His hood had fallen with Killick's struggles. He is Vorin, a shadow. He cares not for your taunts. Another voice spoke, wet, like blood-soaked silk, slow and arrogant. Killick's forced laughter stopped. His wide eyes stared into the gray, lifeless pupils of the shadow. There was nothing, not even contempt in the returned gaze. I am cattle, Killick thought, as he lay motionless. The shadow moved out of sight, and a mechanical rattle began. Clunk, clunk, clunk. Killick's arms were lifted above his head, and his exposure complete. His life, death, and pain laid open before his captors in their sadistic whim. The owner of the boy stepped into sight. A simple, blood-red tunic covered his upper body. A boned, rimmed collar was the only similarity with the remorseless warriors who had taken Killick from his village days before. How quickly the spirit fades. He smiled as he loomed closer, to inspect and prod Killick's variety of wounds and sores. His face was angular and tanned by the sun, a stark contrast to his cold and arrogant manner. Your people were once a proud and worthy foe. He pushed Killick's chain aside to examine the ruined left eye. It was the fear of us that reduced you to livestock. The strange parody of a healer did nothing to hide his proud smirk as he probed Killick's crusted socket. Excruciating pain threatened to split his skull as his examiner plucked a dark clot free. You might yet see through this one, he mused, from habit rather than to inform his patient. Although it may become infected, and we will have to seal it with fire hide. Regan! He tilted his head back and called to another out of sight. Yes, my lord, was the immediate reply. Prepare, fire, hide. I will return shortly. With that, he was gone. Killet closed his eye and tried to dream. This will hurt like hell, an unfamiliar voice distracted his wondering mind. A man, topless before a thick black leather-like tunic, which covered more than half of his torso and part of the neck, stood below Killick. His hands were busy toiling with something. "'I am Gregan. I am not Vendoran,' he quickly added. "'I am their servant. One step up from slave,' he chuckled nervously. The humor at odds with his sneer. The mirth never reached his eyes. "'What do they want from me?' Killick croaked. "'They are building a world across the sea.' They need workers, miners, builders, cooks, and farmers to feed them. The weak to betray them. The stranger's shoulders sagged. But, Gillick's shriveled tongue failed him and he coughed, dry and fruitless. But they have servants. The foreign? No, they're useful, but they don't think for themselves. They were once men, but their minds have been scrubbed clean in the tender voris. The thousand deaths. Speak up. "'Gregan, let us all become sick of your prattle. "'We can fire hide your tongue and be done with it.' My, "'My lord!' "'Gregan's head dropped at his master's return. "'What little color he had instantly drained. "'He shuffled back out of sight. "'Do you seek to befriend one of our subjects? "'You make me sick. "'Is it not because of your still tongue "'that you became so elevated?' Gregan's master was clearly enraged by their conversation. Killick's body juddered involuntarily. Hold him. Prove to me you still have worth. Master and servant came into view, and Gregan's firm hands gripped Killick's waist. Curiosity made Killick look down. One of Gregan's hands was slick with sweat, and the other was black, rough and leather-like. The leather upon Gregan's upper body crept down one arm and onto the hand. Closer now. Killick could see that the leather was not fastened by any means, but it was his skin. Killick strained against his chains, and Gregan's trembling hold as the master produced a strip of smoking black substance. "'Should I cover the mouth, my lord?' "'No, Gregan,' his master replied, his voice now calm and creepily gentle. "'As bothersome as it seems to you and I, the screams of our subjects can do us no harm.' "'in the ears of their kin. "'It reminds them of their place.'" With black tongs, he lifted a black strip over a festering wound on Killick's chest, hot fumes emanating from it. As it touched, a searing fire consumed Killick's entire body. Every nerve strived to escape the flesh that contained it. Agony pulsed through him, and he screamed an alien scream, never before experienced by his own ears. After what seemed an eternity... Killick's chest numbed, all feeling gone. He opened his bloodshot eye as another strip was laid next to the first. Sunlight speared the rippling brook, where tiny fish bathed in the summer heat. Berg chorus filled the small clearing as Burana looked up and smiled. Was this a dream or a memory? The essence of Killick could not guess. Nor did it try. So joyful to see his old friend. He embraced the vision. Today is as any other summer's day, is not the time to talk of war. But you must hear these words, Killick. She broadened her smile and looked deep into his eyes. An ancient evil is growing, ill-treated in the past. It has become warped in the dark, and it comes to claim its toll. Birana reached forward to lay a hand where Killick should have been. Only the sight was fading. The sun-dappled clearing slowly turned to ash, and the icy touch of his manacles beckoned his mind back towards reality. Hear these words, Killick, Branagh's voice lingered in the dark. If the soul fire is burning bright in death, it will burn evermore. Days later, the ragged and manacled procession continued its trudge south, each of them wearing a firehide memento of their previous wounds. Where manacles had once rubbed the black mottled scars were now nerveless, tough, and utterly inhuman. As the climate warmed, sweat gathered in rivulets that skirted the new skin before dripping. Eventually, the sight of their mountains faded behind, as did the hope of returning. Killick had kept his left eye, though by now he knew he would never see through it again. Sometimes, as he turned his head, he would catch a sickly, sour aroma. It was only a matter of time before the other half of his face was as dead as his black knees. At that stage, would it be worth their while to heal him? For the first day of walking, he remained silent, mourning the loss of his freedom and nearly half his skin. Now, as they dragged their heavy, black feet, he plodded. Wherever possible, he would try to speak with his fellow captives, usually to no avail. Only occasionally would anyone dare to talk back. Forget it. You know what happens to those who fall behind or step out of line? one Viking villager said. The only ones who are free are on their side. But they need us, Killick hissed, keeping his head bowed low, his frustration hidden from the Vindoran slavers. When at last they slowed their march, he looked up. They had reached a ferry crossing. To the east, across the river, were more Vindoran riders. They commanded another ragged band of chained villagers, speckled in black. Killick dreamt. This night, It was not the consuming black sea that rose to swallow him, pulling him to the depths. He thanked the gods that tonight, memories of Burana sang in his mind. The bright, glowing fire growled and danced in the open breeze. A chill in the air danced from friend to friend, a refreshing touch from a ghostly hand as it went. Burana sat cross-legged roughly central, her face expressing the words as she sang from the huge tome on her lap. The words themselves were a blur, a comforting nonsense that spoke to each of them in a secret language. Time seemed to stop. Nobody was harrying them to move on. All was as it should be, still and calm and safe. Her tune ebbed and flowed with familiarity, one moment dark and threatening, the next triumphant and coalescent with hope and light. The wind increased, and suddenly the fire roared and burst free. Branna's song buffeted from her mouth. Killick opened his eyes wide, yet could not see. Soul fire and death evermore. He clutched desperately for the memory as his instincts tore him from his reverie, and he awoke once again in the dank truth of reality. An angry flame lunged for Killick's ear, singeing what remained of his hair. His eyes flicked open as the flaming torch flashed before it, his pupils suddenly bulbous. Bring him to me, an angry voice bellowed close by. Around Killick, Solemn slaves suddenly looked away, drowning him in pity. Killick was hoisted to his feet, his chained arms straining but unable to protect the painful side of his face. "'If you are of no use, we will have to make you useful,' a Vendoran warrior pushed to the villagers. His blood-red armor rimmed with bone. "'Take him to Agarimon!' His face was cruel and frustrated. His gloved hand lashed Killick's face nonchalantly as they dragged him away. The black bands of fire hide at ankle and wrist denied the cold bite of the new manacles. It was the protruding spike that clasped his neck that awoke him. He tried and failed to move. Transfixed, his entire body sculpted in pain. They stepped forward, three of them, in the blood-red smocks of the healer. One said, devoid of humanity or emotion. Another stepped from behind, just as Killick's eyes closed involuntarily. Then his mind caught up with his sight, and his heart rate doubled, He had seen his body before him, robed in the ragged garb of the Boren. With blackness all around, Killick fought to ignore the memory that came. The gray, cold, and lifeless eyes stared back at him without so much as contempt. Utterly inhuman. He felt a knuckle crack as his body tensed. Terror and despair warred within him. The only ones who are free are on their side, the captive's voice echoed from memory. Killick would have screamed, but for something metallic which locked his jaw apart, causing a rapid panting as panic consumed him. If the soul-fire is burning bright in death, it will burn evermore. Branna's cool hands wrapped around his ravaged face, and Killick's mind's eye closed. During the dark they toiled, strange sorcery and the science of a dead world. The Vendoran artifact had not always belonged to them, but its owners were also long dead along with all knowledge of its proper use. Black fortune and experimentation had gifted the Vendoran with an application of the ancient stone. The soul stone pulsed, causing a clutter of minute hairline cracks to reach from within towards its outer, glassy surface. The smoky light flared once and illuminated the makeshift laboratory and its gathered Vendoran observers, then choked, leaving the room in darkness. Killick's soul was no more forcibly displaced by another, until then, imprisoned within the soul stone. As the new inhabitant became aware of its re-existence, the stone flared again, bright and vulgar, robbing the soul's chance to live and displacing it with yet another within the injured vessel, repeating the cycle again and again throughout the next hour, each time cleansing the host body further and further until the ceremony was finally over. The chains rattled to the floor, and the eyes of the Vorin flicked open, alive with nothing but obedience. That is the end of this week's story, Blackened, by D.B. Rook. I want to remind you again to check out Sorcery and Superstition's Facebook page. There, you can find links to D.B. Rook's mailing list to sign up so you can get a free version of the story Blackened. Also, you can find the Amazon link to his book, Callous and Crow, which takes place in the same world that we just visited. And if you would like to keep up with all of his news and what's happening with him, you can check him out on his Facebook page, DB Rook Books. I will also have a link to this Facebook page on the post with all the other links. Well, that's all I have for this week. Look forward to next week's story and another new phenomenal author. Also, It's getting close to Halloween. And, if you're not familiar, Sorcery and Superstition does a special Halloween episode every year with author John P. Wallman. John P. Wallman is an excellent author of horror stories. And this year, we are going to dive into another excerpt of his book, The Dark Stirs. Following this time, a different protagonist than last time. I hope you guys all tune in. Not just for the Halloween special, but for all our stories. Until next time, have a fantastical day.